Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up if i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again hey what's up everyone how you doing ben kissel here hanging out with travis morningstar i am bleary-eyed from watching all Almost all of the uh, the Michael Jordan doc, dude. It's so good. Save right? the last, save the last dance. Not save the last dance. The last dance. Save the last dance is a movie featuring. Oh, I forget her name. Michael Jordan. No, it's not Michael Ma- Jordan. Michaela that movie is Jordan. Space Jam. Well, speaking of Space Jam, I was really dismayed to see that Space Jam gets like three minutes. I know. I know. In the series. That's all. That was my entire. That was your whole takeaway. That was my entire gateway to Jordan was Space Jam, and then to see that it is like a blip. He he barely remembers it. Like it was just. Well, he was very busy at the time. It just really shatters my whole perception. Did you also? It, I love it. It made me think in Space Jam. Right. So when uh when the aliens start zapping the NBA players mm-hmm. of their power of their powers of their skills yeah, of their skills, talents powers, powers it's kind of the same I guess the NBA assumes or presumes that there's a virus going around causing that yeah and then they shut the nba the the season down because of it so it is very it's prophetic yes it is i've said that before space jam predicted the covid virus we all know that's true later on in this episode actually it'll be the majority of this episode i have an interview with vermin supreme vermin supreme he is a he's an artiste he is running for the presidential uh, nominee with the Libertarian Party. We talk about his history. We talk about his life. We talk about why Vermin Supreme exists and, uh, you know, what his plans are uh, going forward. It's a really awesome, awesome interview. So please stick around for that. There's a helicopter in the background yeah. and some birds chirping at times. But, you know, there's a there's a raven just sort of sitting uh, on a tree branch above his shoulder and just sort of squawking every now and again. It's ambiance. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you can buy his book, I Pony. Don't forget to buy his book, I Pony. And you can follow Vermin Supreme on all the social medias and things like that. He is a character. You know, his his platform, you know, part of the joke platform is that every American should have a pony. Yes. I just looked up how much a pony actually costs. It's around $1,200. No kidding. So we could. Feasibly, we could have bought everyone a pony. <laughs> um, 
if you could ride it, you could eat it. It doesn't matter because sure. we're we're all about to experience a, a very dark winter it ahead of us. Play with my dogs. That would be great. Yeah. Give them another companion. So Vermin Supreme on this episode, absolutely honored to have him. Talks about his his hippie yippy days in Baltimore and what got him interested in uh, politics, political life, and activism. Uh, the most important uh, component to being an American is being an activist and letting the world know how you want to see the world be. All right, so we got a few stories that we're definitely going to have to get into here. Richard Burr, of course, he's the Republican senator. He is not having a great week. No. Richard Burr, of course, he is the person we've been talking about. He said, oh, everything is fine. The markets are doing great. After he had just had an intelligence meeting, a uh, meeting that he was the chairman of. Yeah. And in that meeting, they're like, so there's going to be a virus. The guy is probably going to have a negative effect on the economy. Immediately following that, he steps out, speaks to the microphones and announces everything is going to be great. Well, the FBI hasn't taken too kindly to that. As a matter of fact, they are now pursuing an investigation. Uh, they took his cell phone. This is getting pretty serious, and he has stepped down as the chairman for the, uh, for the Senate Intelligence Committee. So he's already starting to see some political ramifications for his blatant disregard uh, for the law in this case when it comes to lying to the American people about the markets because he had private information. If it was public information, it would have been fine for him to lie to us. But because it was private, it well, was not so, so. What I read was actually this kind of thing was totally legal until 2012. Great. So the, they, there was a, uh, uh, the Stock Act. He's retro. The Stock Act was passed in 2012. And what that does is prevent this obviously grimy behavior where you're taking non-public information and then playing the stock market right um but apparently there were only three people that voted no against the stock act can you guess who one of them was oh my god would it be richard burr it sure was oh, yeah good for him he one sticks of, to his guns one of the guys who said actually i don't really like this 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 fairness act that you're trying to put into place and so in a way i bet he really does he does see what his he's done uh to get to this point and he says i didn't do anything wrong because this is really how i feel about it i am i am a part of the intel committee i should be able to use this secret information to uh to bilk stock markets so this is really coming as a surprise uh, that he has to step down as the intelligence uh, chairman. He, uh, Susan Collins, she has a quote here. Of course, Susan Collins uh, got famous for some wrong reasons, maybe some right reasons. Uh, Susan Collins, she's a Republican out of Maine. She says, we just met yesterday in the SCIF for hours, and there was no indication at that time. She goes on to say, so I feel bad. I have no idea what the investigation is going to find, but I certainly hope it turns out well for him. Isn't that nice, yeah. Susan Collins? She has let the country down more than we can talk about on this show in this time period. Diane Feinstein was also evidently surprised that uh, the FBI is taking this so seriously. And it is a bit of a surprise given the fact that Richard Burr, obviously a Republican, this had to go all the way up. This is serious. To the man himself. Yeah, it went Barr. to Barr. Burr went to Barr, and Barr is like, yeah, all right, feds, 
go take a look, see what the hell happened. Evidently, Donald Trump wasn't aware that he was stepping down um, as as the chairman for the Intelligence Committee. Yeah, all of this happened relatively quickly because this has been happening. The scandal has been known for two months. Yeah. So we talked about this on last week's episode with the private lawsuit that was filed against Richard Burr being dropped. And I, I said, oh, this sounds good for him. But wait, it's because they didn't want to interfere with the FBI investigation, which is now seemingly full speed ahead. Yeah. And God knows what they're going to find out on this man's phone. Certainly <laughs> I would not. Oh, you know, the FBI can have my phone. They can look at my pictures of my dogs and uh, occasionally a, a strange picture of my face. Richard Burr, uh, whatever he is hiding will be found out so, because that's the one thing the FBI knows. Apparently, what to do. apparently the DOJ had to subpoena Apple to get into his iCloud account. And really? once, once they got into the iCloud account, that gave them justification to actually to pull the warrant and go straight to Burr or uh, go to Barr. Um, so there was some stuff in that account that was like so incriminating that they were like, well, we just have to actually, we have to investigate this guy further. And then you also have the case of whereas Loeffler and Feinstein, they they themselves, they enriched mm-hmm. themselves. Yes. Uh, there is apparently uh, Burr's family members profited off of this secret insider information as well in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Good for they them. also dumped the stocks. And then I, I think you also have to take into account that was uh, a part of the whole like investigation into Russian interference regarding Trump. So there might be a little also a bit of like um, I'm going to show you what it what happens was when involved, you kind of uh, when you go against me kind of sort of thing. So he was involved in uh, trying to find out if the Trump uh, yes. administration so he was colluded to, with the he Russians. He was trying to sort of see if the if he was trying to validate those those no. suspicions. I don't know. So I don't know if there's a small feud. That's you know that's for TMZ between he and Trump. My understanding is that Trump is a Burr fan. He seemed relatively surprised that he had stepped down. But my favorite part of all of this is watching these senators just. Wine. This is John Cornyn. He's the Republican out of Texas, relatively famous senator. This is what he had to say. Maybe the bottom line is, if you're going to be in the Senate, you can't own any stock or at least own mutual funds. Who knows? People could say you're gaming an index fund. Part of the joy of serving in public office. Oh, my God. I'm, I feel so bad for you, John Cornyn. I feel so bad for the senators who can't lie to the American people <laughs> that's and like then caught, sell off that's like millions getting, of dollars in stock. It's like getting caught cheating. You're like, I guess I'll never have sex again it's ever. Fine, fine I then. guess I'll just chop my own dick off. Oh, my goodness. Of course, uh, this is coming at a time where the media isn't covering these stories quite as much as they would. So perhaps that's good for Barr. Obviously, COVID uh, taking up a lot of oxygen in the room. So perhaps this kind of goes under the radar and maybe without the microscope of the fourth estate, uh, things kind of silently go away. Uh, But we will see what is going on with Richard Barr or Burr, rather not a good time for this to be happening. Um, Not a good time for him. This is according to uh, Senate Minority Whip Dick Durbin. Of course, he's a Democrat out of of Illinois. He says, I didn't see this coming. Uh, It seems as if just a lot of senators are surprised 
that the FBI is taking this so seriously. Uh, This is according to Mike Braun, a Republican out of Indiana. He says it all just adds to the kind of perception people have this place in general. And sadly, it was just due to misjudgment. He goes on to say, Many voters have almost become steeled to it. I don't think it was as shocking as it might have been, oh, say, 10 years ago. I don't know if that's true. I think it's pretty shocking. It's pretty obnoxious. Also, 10 years ago, I suppose it was legal. So it wouldn't have been shocking, I guess, if it was 2012 that they passed this act. So Richard Burr not having a great week. And we shall see what happens. He uh, is up for re-election in 2022. And uh, we'll see if he makes it that far. Who knows? But perhaps this, this... they are true. And they say <laughs> when they say that uh, they're surprised, or the senators are surprised that anyone cares about this. We'll see how long this lasts. This asshole, I just read that he wrote an op-ed basically saying, we are so prepared for any kind of virus that you should not even, you just chill out, don't even worry chill about out. it. I didn't, I didn't know that he actually wrote an op-ed I didn't know that right either. after dumping those stocks. Good for him. What an asshole. Good for him. All right. Well, speaking of the FBI, again, uh, we are skeptical of the FBI, of the CIA. They've done some pretty rough things and some pretty bad things. I'm not saying that the Richard Burr thing is bad. As a matter of fact, that's a point where I think they're doing their job in a positive way. However, we have also just given them a huge amount of power, more power. So the Mitch McConnell-led Senate pushed through legislation that allows the FBI to search uh, your web history without a warrant. Of course, it would take 60 votes to create an amendment or to pass an amendment that would be against that amendment. Yes. That would say, no, you can't do it, FBI. Leave everyone's search engine, leave everyone's search bar alone. Well, Nelson, we should note this is one of the recurring reauthorizations of the Patriot Act. And so this, the idea of searching web history and in, 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 in investigating our internet activity is just an extension of the Patriot Act. And McConnell's using this opportunity to sort of stretch Laffy Taffy style the Patriot Act's already wide berth that it has. Absolutely. According to Evan Greer, the deputy director of Fight for the Future, um, he says the Patriot Act should be repealed in its entirety, entirety, set on fire and buried in the ground. It's one of the worst laws passed in the last century, and there's zero evidence that the mass surveillance programs it enables have ever saved a human life. So how the hell did the amendment to stop this amendment fail? Well, Bernie Sanders, he could have been the vote that got this to 60. He could have been the stopgap. He could have been the vote that said, nope, sorry, we are going to not allow the FBI to search your web history without a warrant. Unfortunately, he didn't show up for the vote. Therefore, it stays at 59. And this is just one of those opportunities. Oh, that was missed. And it's a sad, it's a, it's a big miss. And it's really upsetting. Uh, Bernie Sanders, I know he's sort of the only active surrogate for Joe Biden that has any kind of notoriety and fame. So he's out there working hard for Joe. And he could have been working hard in the Senate to preserve our civil liberties, something that he has a good history of doing. However, he did not show up to vote. Therefore, it does not get uh, repealed. It stands 
And the FBI, again, has far, far too much power. And this is, uh, you know, of course, one of the ironies when when uh, Donald Trump and when, you know, these cliche Republicans, um, the Sean Hannity wing of the Republican Party, which seems to be about 95 percent of Republicans will vote for him uh, come in the reelection. We'll do a a few um, polling numbers here in a second before we get to vermin. It's just ironic because when they talk about the deep state, when they talk about the Fed going, the, the the FBI going crazy, when they talk about Michael Flynn and it going all the way up uh, to Joe Biden and everyone wants, everyone is unveiling all these documents about all this stuff. They still have pushed forward legislation time and time again that gives the federal government or that gives the FBI more power to spy on the American citizens, which is why I believe that all of that stuff is just political. All of that Donald Trump talking about how he doesn't like the FBI, how he doesn't like the CIA, how he doesn't trust our intelligence community, uh, how he sides with Putin over our own intelligence community. All of that stuff is just political. It's not real. The Republican Party has for a very long time supported those institutions. They continue to. And this is just another example of the American people just getting the short end of the stick. And it's really unfortunate. And I wish I wish that Bernie Sanders would have just been able to show up in Washington. I think and, he was at a vote. climate town hall. I don't I, I it's <sighs> really weird to, because obviously this would be the he has the opportunity to change the tide on this one vote that's huge. And he's just not there. It's it's and so course, strange. And it's not just Bernie. He's just the most. No, famous he's just the name. one that would have. Yeah. He. Sh- I mean, it's Bernie. There we were... we believe that he could. He really does have values. Yeah. And then to see it, it almost it's like wait, did he just not? Did somebody like change his alarm clock or something? Oh, don't do that. Nine Democratic senators also voted no. And again, a no in this case means a yes to the FBI being able to spy. Uh, being able to go into your search history without a warrant. So nine Democratic senators voted no, causing the amendment to fall short of the 60-vote threshold it needed to pass. So it really is, uh, it's just another devastating, devastating development. This is according to Dayton Young, director of product at Fight for the Future. He says, today the Senate made clear that the purpose of the Patriot Act is to spy on Americans, no warrants or due process necessary. Any lawmaker who votes to reauthorize the Patriot Act is voting against our constitutionally protected freedoms, and there's nothing patriotic about that. And just to put this in, I mean, what is this, right? Like, they can look into your your search history, they can look into your web activity without really any justification. And, With none. They and don't, it doesn't you know, matter. I think you might be of the mind where you're like, oh, this, why why, why does this matter to me? I mean, I, when I think about my own web searches, it's like, I've searched for some embarrassing things, I guess, like uh, what are the orders of the month uh, or or like poop shapes explained or something like that. Oh, but well, but th- this is the kind of thing where like if you do become an enemy of the state in any small way, they can they can take a piece of information that's yes, super can. small and stupid and then make that your character. They, well, they can re- recontextualize these pe- these little pieces of information and turn that into your character uh, to be smeared. You- all of these people searching for uh, cis love, this, this new porno, not yeah. even that new anymore. But, you know, it just, yes, it's a very private thing. 
That word means something. Your search history, unless you're doing something nefarious, in which case they would get a warrant if you're searching child porn, whatever it might be that's illegal, buying drugs off of the dark web, whatever. All right, I get it. There are laws in place. But the fact that they can just create whatever vision of you that they want to present Travis is completely right. Uh, and, and this is going to be used to uh, this is going to be used to uh, demolish character, and then they'll and, be able to run any over political you. enemies too. Absolutely, Espe- I mean, especially where you're a politician, and anything anything that it makes you seem more human or more like uh, less than a statesman, it it's really is damaging to your character. If yes. if uh, if somebody like Trump has full access to that kind of stuff, oh my or any God. future president, absolutely. No, it's just horrible. The Patriot Act needs to be done away with. It's not. It's just. It is one of those stories that again, if we had a media that really covered this stuff, and I know I was just reading that, you know, that was covered in print, but it's this should be. This should be places. This should be on TV. This should be everywhere uh, because it's really, really important. So anyway, there you go. The FBI can now, uh, they expanded the Patriot Act basically or allowed the expansion to um, continue and they can now uh, check out your web history without a warrant. All right. Just lastly here, before we get to our uh, conversation with Vermin Supreme, Joe Biden if if we had an election that was uh, if it was just the popular vote, mm-hmm. there was no electoral college. These stats are looking good for Joe. Unfortunately, because we have the electoral college, I think these stats are looking good for Trump. So there's a new poll out. Uh, this is according. This is a CNN uh, poll conducted by SSRS. 51% of registered voters nationwide back Biden. About 46% say they back Trump. Well, in the battlegrounds, okay, so that's national. 51-46, you're Biden, you're like, ah, I'm going to stay in my basement and we'll, uh, next thing you know, I'll be president of the United States and hanging out in the Lincoln bedroom. The problem is, when it comes to battleground states, again, that's Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, 52% favor Trump. And 45% support Joe Biden. Uh, The two are close among independents with 50% of independents backing Trump, 46 um, backing Biden. The former vice president continues to hold healthy leads among women, 55% for Biden, 41% for Trump. But again, out of everything that's happened when it comes to women, and Trump, the campaign, uh, 41% of women are still supporting Trump, which is pretty big uh, in a lot of, I believe he got 43% in 2016. So he only lost 2% of women, (laughs) uh, which is amazing. And now, of course, with all the Tara Reid stuff with with Joe Biden, maybe that erodes a little bit of his support amongst women. Although I, I think they had that information by the time this poll was conducted. So perhaps it uh, it doesn't move the needle there. Um, when it comes to folks of color, 69% go for Biden, 26% for Trump. If you're a Republican, that's actually not a horrible number. 69% for Biden, That's he's holding strong there. And then the two run more closely among men. 50% of men support Trump and 46% of men support Biden. Uh, among whites... 55% support Trump, 43% Biden. And interestingly here, we think about Republicans, we think that they might skew older. 
Uh, but according to this poll, and again, this is just one poll, so take it for what it is. Uh, but according to this poll, um, voters over 45 years old support Joe Biden by six percentage points, uh, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Well, the two are near among, uh, they're almost even among uh, people under 45 with Biden at 49% and Trump at 46%. So word salad, a bunch of numbers. What do we learn? We learn it's a very close election. You know, that's what we're seeing. So all those numbers, they don't, the main takeaway is get out of your freaking basement show and please God campaign at some point. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, He's gonna have. This is gonna be a dogfight. You look at approval ratings for governors, uh, and governors who just sort of put on the strongman, uh, like barely competent character thing. Sure, they are getting crazy high approval ratings. Governor uh, Mike DeWine in Ohio, eighty-six percent approval. So that is like a unprecedentedly he's, high. De- DeWine is a funny guy because if you listen to him, he's he's got the. Uh, he sounds like a beaver. He does that. <laughs> but he's kind of cute. But so he, you know, Republican Mike DeWine, yes. super high rating. Cuomo, you know, in New York, uh, super high rating, and oh, yeah. and they're not doing a particularly good job either. That's the thing. Trump could, if he just sort of stopped for a second, took a breath, right. and realized that he could, if he just put experts at that podium instead of himself. <sighs> And just, and just sort of nod along in the background, yeah. he could have like the highest approval ratings despite th- almost 90,000 people but dying. what are they doing? You know, in Cuomo's, to explain Cuomo a little bit, what is he doing? He's giving a daily presser. He's out. His, he's showing his face. He's talking. He's making a reasonable points, sound bites. I think de Blasio has done a horrible job of doing that. Which is why his numbers are so low, but that doesn't matter. He's out anyway. Well, and who who the hell cares? But that just shows you the importance of just being there. Yeah, the absolutely. American people are willing to be like, yeah, this guy's a freaking idiot. But Joe, Joel, you just Joel. gotta get out. You got or not even he. I'm not even saying physically. Yeah, he just needs to get out well, online. There was as a, we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah, it was like oh, he's losing the internet. Does that matter? Yeah, it matters. It's there has a huge been there thing. has been some uh, suggestions. I think the reporter was Liz Smith. She 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 suggested a uh, a giant hologram projected. I'll take it. <laughs> projected in like Times Square or, or on the side of uh you know like sheer cliffs. Like that would be pretty. Uh, I don't. Ki- that's sure. You know yeah, what? Great. <laughs> Give me a freaking Biden hologram. But it, I mean, uh, the, so the, at least it's more indicative of how shallow these politicians. The governor are. thing though just goes to show you you just. People just want to be lied to about uh, you being competent. And the illusion, Trump, and Trump has not shown that he's he's got reporters like jumping down his throat oh because he's he's fighting them instead watching, of instead uh, of actually just trying to pretend to be a leader. I was watching Fox News and they were talking about how first of all, so Donald Trump, this whole idea that air quotes he has press conferences when he's running to a campaign rally. Yeah, uh, you got the helicopter going nuts. Um, it's just you can't hear anything and they were they said oh that's what Ronald Reagan used to do and they all <laughs> laughed and I'm like okay well how wonderful is that but all of that stuff is the illusion of governance and just but at the very least he's out there and that's what I think people like his supporters his fanatic supporters he gives them he gives them content and if I hear the word content one more time even coming from my mouth I'm going to shoot myself in the head because, of course, in the entertainment business, 
What do we have to create? That reminds me, I got we got to get you on Twitch. Ben. I know, I we have gotta to get do you, Twitch. We got to get you churning out content in your leisure time. I don't want to hear about it. What games but, are you playing right now? Because we, what, what, uh, are you still doing Division Two or what no? You, I beat all of Division Two. I mean, the thing with Division Two is, um, once you so I beat the New York expansion pack, and then I went back to DC, and then I beat some more missions, but it never ends. It never ends. They See, just, that's the, the kind. The, that's the kind of jaded. The true sons are constantly coming in. I, that we need to hear on Twitch. I just want these people to die, but the game never actually lets me kill all of them. I would walk around and say, "Oh, ben, look at all this. This is so peaceful." Go to a bar. Ben, 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 baby, save it for the Twitch stream. Oh my god, this is gold. This is it's gold. about content. It is about content. It's about bringing that... your spine of mm-hmm. content droplets. People would like a gift, even if you open the box and it's human dookie. They'll say, "Oh." It's just nice to have well, a present. The, the, the packaging is so beautiful. Packaging, beautiful packaging. Yeah. Uh, so that is something to remember. Obviously, again, that is one poll, but it's indicative of a few other polls as well out there. This is not... I've, I've heard people fall down the trap, again, of saying it's going to be a landslide. Joe Biden's got it. And I'm like, okay, we cannot do 2016 over again. And as we talked about, the Bernie Sanders supporters... Over just barely over 50% of them right now that said they're going to support Biden. About 80% supported Hillary. And again, we saw what happened there. So maybe this will be an interesting thing. I was thinking about this when it comes to Bernie Sanders. He ran he ran such a uh, a policy based campaign, you know, and I think it's truly the policies that people love and they like him. But I think he's not the greatest vessel of all time. I think young people like the policy. I honestly don't think older people give a shit. I, I think older people just want to go. They like Sleepy Joe. They like the Maybe. idea of like, yeah, let's go back to let's go back to sleep. I mean, honestly, that's fine. <laughs> I could go back. I could use four years of Sleepy I Joe. I think that I really could use is it. for him. I think he's given up on uh, this sort of energizing that Bernie Sanders base. I, and he really is just like, let's all just let's all pop. Let's drink some Sleepy Time tea. Let's chill out for four years. And I really do think I take that, it because he's not I think he's just trying to uh, garner votes from the elderly now at this point. Like because he, he's like, I'm like you. I'm well, hiding in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, that was what was interesting about that poll that he's up with people over 45. I, yeah, I just wouldn't have expected and, that. And but. he just I don't think he's going to care to um, tap into the me or you young people. You know, I relatively young. No, I mean, I don't need to be tapped. You don't need to be tapped. <laughs> but well, we uh, gotta get that content out of you somehow. Oh, it's it's common. We gotta tap you like a like a, a molasses tree. Ooh, I've been called that before. <laughs> uh, so there you go. We'll keep you up to date on what's happening. It seems as if people have forgotten there is an election in November, and not just for president. There's a lot of elections to be had. A lot of campaigning that should be happening that's not. Uh, I mean. I've even heard, and this is scary, you know, when we talk about, uh, I believe it was Kushner. Yeah. Kushner, of course, the man that said lie again about the uh, COVID because we don't want to disrupt the markets. Look how well that worked out. Um, talk about irony. Talk, uh, but, of course, Kushner was discussing, We, I don't know if we're going to have an election in November. I'm not sure if it'll be safe. And as we've talked about ad nauseum, no pandemic. 
no problem goes unused by these yeah. people. I mean, uh, that would be devastating. Board of Elections in New York tried. They tried to to remove the mm. presidential primary for some reason, even though all of the down ballot races still were on the yes, uh, were still being voted on. Yes. Uh, so they're they're going to try. They're going to try to. Uh, it's possible. Pull, pull things as much as possible. You know, and uh, but speaking of um, Governor Mike Dewine, uh, I do want to mention that now that states like Ohio are reopening. There is been this. There's been this big push to get employers to crack down on what the states and I'm, I think the GOP sees as freeloaders. So uh, right. you know the the CARES Act was focused on um, creating special unemployment benefits so people that were laid off could um, you know just stay home and stay safe. But now that they're reopening and now that there's this very deliberate push to get people back to working, even though the virus has not been handled, there is no right. plan. There's no master plan. They um, they are they are encouraging uh, employers to basically snitch on anyone that that does not come to work right uh, for any uh, any real reason in their eyes. So if you don't have child care right now, which uh, many people don't and you can't well, go to work, anyone does yeah. uh, you, you can't go to work because of that. That's still not a reason. You will be t- taken off of unemployment. If you are immunocompromised and you cannot go to work because you will catch coronavirus, that is not a reason. You will right. be taken off unemployment in states like Ohio, Iowa, um, I think Alabama as well. The, these states are focusing on pulling people off the unemployment rolls in a time where it is most desperately needed. It's a very craven. And it, the, it the is. thing is, uh, like I said, though, Mike DeWine, crazy approval ratings. They're just ha- they're just you just need to look like your your uh, your head is on straight well, and while, while stealing um, a safety net from people in the midst of it. This is, you know, as we talk about with vermin, it's we, we can't have a, uh, a country where the government subsidizes everyone's pay. We know that. But we also can't have uh, a country where uh, governments put people at risk under the guise of protecting the economy. Uh, it will backfire. It's going to end up hurting the economy more in the long run. And we just have to get this thing figured out. I mean, you know, I want to I've never been more angry in my life with government. I've never been more angry with politicians. I feel uh, I don't even know how to handle it sometimes. Um, I'm just feeling a lot of rage because of how this has become so politicized. And it's really it's just very aggravating. And as we're seeing, as we talked about last week, when it comes to a lot of uh, criminal justice problems that we're seeing, black and brown people getting stopped far disproportionately for the social distancing rules people um you know one of the ironies is as well people getting arrested for not social distancing meanwhile they want to empty the jails and it's like what are we doing what are it's just (laughs) it's so so do we want to empty the jails or put people in jail like it's just there's so much talking out of both sides of their mouths and again that's because we don't have any leadership at the top and this is what that looks like when uh, I, uh, when that happens, I so. mentioned to you previously before we started recording. There's a there's a program being instituted in a lot of prisons where instead of testing prisoners in crowded prisons for COVID, they are using <laughs> spy software to listen in oh, on yes. phone calls and picking up keywords like coughing, sick, fever. Yeah. Um, and if those keywords they get, get they get routed back to an Amazon database. Not kidding. It's Amazon yeah. affiliated. 
and then uh, that Amazon database will then shoot warnings over to the warden's office of that prison and say, hey, it sounds like you got some... They're talking about sickness over at your prison. They're talking about the pandemic that's currently happening across the country and the world. Um, so yeah, that's those I are some of the feeling. those are some of the broken solutions that yes. are governing uh, some of the worst amazing. Hits, some of the worst hit spots in our country. It is amazing. There go. It's a roundabout <laughs> way to do it. And of course, prisoners will be the last people uh, tested. Uh, we need to get a lot of tests out there. And as soon as we can start doing this, um, it, perhaps and we'll talk more about this. I want to get to vermin here, but uh, looks like there might be some light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to testing. Uh, and who knows? And again, we'll, this conversation will continue. Sadly, the coronavirus is an evergreen topic right now. So, all right. Well, there you go. Keep vigilant and Biden get out there. If you are, if you, if you want to win, please God do something because I want to, I want I, I don't think we can handle four more years of this. Uh, we can't have this drama, this reality, reality show drama. I, I hate it. I hate. I don't watch those shows for a reason, and it's difficult to live in the reality. I don't know. I watch. Uh, I watch old Jerry Springer episodes sometimes. That's not. Re- that's that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. And I would vote for Jerry. He was. Uh, he was in office in Ohio. Small sex scandal. He had to Small resign. Small sex. You know that happens. Lowercase s. Yeah, it was all consensual anyway, from my understanding anyway. But planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to. 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. All right, everyone. Now it is time for our interview with Vermin Supreme, a tyrant you can trust. Thank you so much for being on the show, Vermin. You are an inspiration to all people who want to get involved and let the establishment know that there are people with other opinions and different voices out there. So thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me here on your uh, lovely program. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So as I talked about before they, uh, before we started recording, I guess the first question that I have for you is sort of the why. Why does Vermin Supreme exist? Uh, thank God you exist. You ran for uh, president multiple times. Uh, what is the... What is, you who are you and uh and how did you uh come to be a man who wears a boot on his head who holds a toothbrush and demands if president everyone brush their teeth well i i I suppose essentially uh in a nutshell i am an activist i am an individual who is uh managed to build a certain uh skill set uh that has allowed me to develop a communication strategy uh, that has allowed me, uh, including, of course, the magical boot itself. Yes. Um, and, and, it, and it is indeed a magical boot because it what is. this magic boot has done has allowed me to amplify uh, my First Amendment free speech voice exponentially. It has allowed me to communicate my message to millions of, of uh, citizens around the world and has allowed me to uh, 
interact with the uh, media across the flat earth. <laughs> and uh, so it, it is ultimately a, a very magical boot in, in the powers that it has. Now, some people, of course, want to know, uh, is there some sort of uh, alien being entity up inside the boot somehow controlling my thoughts and actions? And right. Of course, that's uh, that's ridiculous. The, the boot itself is the alien that has taken the form <laughs> of a boot and is a uh, fitted itself to my head so that is well what's so fascinating about the boot is the is the symbolism and just sort of the the banana republic that we live in it seems to be epitomized in the boot indeed well when i'm asked about the boot i, I my tossaway answer is uh, the boot stands for all that is good in america um and then sometimes I will tell the media that my boot is a pile of shit and that the media are the flies that buzz around it. <laughs> um, that's another thing that I say. Um, of course, what could be more, you know, what could be more American? What could be better than wearing a darn boot on your head if you wanted to and not having the government tell you you could not? Absolutely. Of course, it's a signifier. It'll, it, it sets people up when I'm approaching them uh, and they understand that what they might be on the receiving end of may not be linear. Uh, so it's sort right. of a, a softening. It sort of sets them, sets them up for that. Um, one thing I particularly very much enjoy about it is that if you take a photograph of me with the boot on my head in any situation, any crowd, when we could have crowds or, or any yes. place, any time, and you show a, show that picture to a kid and that kid, and you ask that kid what is wrong with this photograph, that kid will have to say, hey, that guy has a boot on his head. <laughs> and so it's actually... The, the beauty of it is that it's it's flat out wrong. It's it's flat out not done. It's it's turning the world upside down. Uh, it creates a moment of uh, cognitive dissonance, if you will, on a good day, and um, has managed to uh, become a, a a device, if you will, that has indeed uh, allowed me to uh, effectively communicate with many many more people than if I were not uh, uh, if wearing a boot and if I was right. just talking about regular things. If I was talking about the the, the things that the you know the, the metaphors of the of what the toothbrushing meant or you know uh, government's too uh, is government control is too much the government can't give you free things and if I was simply saying it like that with right. instead of free ponies and mandatory toothbrushing laws uh, it would totally be lost. I completely agree. It's much better than uh, Donald Trump's hair. I think that your your boot uh, is a perfect perfect uh, ornament. For the wonderful character that you Indeed. are. And he, he's insane. I, I merely pretend to be insane now and again. <laughs> Obviously, a performance artist at heart. What was it in your life that you said, you turned the page and you said, I'm going to go all in and make Vermin Supreme manifest itself, himself, into reality? What was it in just sort of, was, was there some event that occurred or just the overall... Um, paying attention to the bizarre world that we live in, what, what was sort of the culminating aspects uh, that led to you becoming who you are? Well, I think that the, the first thing that uh, pushed me a long way to uh, uh, being able to relate uh, to reality and operate in reality in such a fashion, definitely psychedelic drugs. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I definitely, when I was a younger person, you know, later teenage years and young uh, 20s, I, I did very much enjoy uh, eating the acid and the psychedelics. And I think what that did right. uh, was give me an understanding of, you know, and it, of like the, the multidimensional traveling 
and sort of you know, being able to step outside of this reality and right. look at this reality from a very different perspective and have a, a, deep, a better understanding of what's going on. Uh, sort of like looking behind the curtain and, and seeing the, uh, the Wizard of Oz, uh, the, the Emperor of the Wizard of Oz has no clothing on to uh, yes. mix up two metaphors. And of course, that's very unfortunate because most leaders have horrible bodies and I can't imagine uh, what the man with no clothes behind the curtain truly looks like. The micro penises uh, that we would be forced to stare at if we saw these people in their true form. Indeed, if the presidential debates included a bathing suit competition, <laughs> I think we'd, have some, uh, we'd probably have some more buff uh, candidates in the race, that's for sure. I, com- I completely agree. And of course, you know, in, in Baltimore, uh, I, you know, I've, I took on uh, Vermin Supreme, the name, the, the persona, uh, or the kernel of it, um, was in... Uh, 1986, uh, I was doing bookings and promotions for a couple nightclubs in Baltimore, yeah. and at that time, you know, I, I was running with the art weirdo scene yeah. and the, uh, you know, the independent uh, original music uh, makers, and it, it was it was the tail end of the punk rock scene, right? And so it was not unusual for people to be taking on different names for uh, purposes of uh, developing characters for the uh, for the stage or for uh, their music, and uh, ultimately, I just. Uh, became this uh, Vermin Supreme. Uh, at the time, it was all booking agents, all club owners. Uh, Vermin, and I was the Vermin Supreme. It was actually Vermin Supreme's fabulous Galaxy Lounge. Great. Uh, so I became Vermin Supreme uh, uh, sometime before I actually de- delved into politics. That must have been such a trip. Being in Baltimore, we actually had our first live show. I believe it was called Autos in Baltimore. That was the first time I do a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left. It was our first live show, a punk club. It was awesome. We love Baltimore. I'm a huge John Waters fan as well. That must have been a trip, being in the 80s in Baltimore. What was that experience like? It was it was quite a scene. We we, we um, uh, my first uh, group of roommates. We all lived in this big uh, giant uh, uh, Georgian colonial brick mansion. I think they had ten bedrooms, and, and we stacked it with all these uh, creative types. Nice. Uh, it was right across from Dewitt Hill Park, um, and we were known for having uh, some pretty wild parties. And um, <laughs> we actually uh, had a fun house in our basement. We we did uh, some. Uh, we raided a couple of abandoned houses and came home with like about 30 or 40 doors. And then we built this maze in our cellar uh, with buzzers and bells and monsters that would jump out and you'd walk up ramps and fall into the darkness and weird textures on your face. And it was a total fire trap. Uh, but luckily, right. uh, it did. no one was uh, was caught in it. But we, we would have these parties with just too many bands and too many kegs of beer yeah. and too many people. And, of course, we eventually got uh, uh, evicted. And um, then so we, I started uh, looking around. I'd walk down the street and I would look up and say, oh, look at that. That, that space is for rent. And I would call them up and I would tell them that I was uh, building uh, sets for theater. And yeah. uh, I would convince them that we just need it for a couple of weeks. And we would go in and clean it out and get it ready for one of these insane parties. Hell yeah. And so we did that for a while. We uh, we did a concrete parking garage uh, one time, and that was a pretty amazing all-out blowout. Until finally the fire marshal caught on, and uh, that, <laughs> that, that was eventually what led, let me, let, led me to uh, doing it in a semi-legit fashion uh, at the Marble Bar and uh, yeah. the Galaxy Lounge uh, back in the day. So you're obviously, we're talking 1980s here, and I can't wait to ca- catch up, but we have the backdrop of the Reagan administration. We're, we're talking 
big political scandals, I suppose Iran-Contra. Obviously, we can still smell the bodies burning in Vietnam. Uh, the culture was changing in a very conservative way, similar to what we're seeing now in some senses. Uh, the war on drugs was the war on the war on uh, blacks. Basically, the war on drugs was the war on poor. Um, did what were your what were what was your sense of where the country was going? And have you seen have, have you seen the good side pick up any victories along the way? What was your sense in the 80s? of what the hell this country was going to look like in, uh, in, in, in a year like 2020. And uh, has it come to fruition in perhaps a negative sense as well? Well, I, I suppose it's, it's similar in a way. I mean, I, I remember some of my first uh, experiences at, uh, at a demonstration was probably in Baltimore. I believe it was the, the vice presidential debates. Uh, right. uh, Gerald D. Ferrar was there. And that was my first time that I was really confronted with rows of uh, riot police on horses yeah. and uh, you know, pr protesters uh, attacking each other. And uh, it was before I started making a real hobby uh, of that type of activity and actively uh, interacting with it. Yeah. Uh, of course, Baltimore was a, a pretty hairy, scary uh, town at, at various points. You know, I, I, yeah. a couple of my friends had been shot at and shot and what have you. And um, but it was definitely, a, you know, just a learning experience because, right. uh, you know, I was a very, uh, you know, starving artist, if you was a very scraggly young hippie, just sort of. Um, you know, and, and I wasn't a literally starving artist, but I was a hungry artist. And yes, I would yeah. uh, wait in line at the soup kitchen with uh, with the other uh, down and outers. And uh, and the only reason I was really staying there was cheap rent. Right. And um, you know, I was definitely very uh, aware of of the the class divide and, and the race divide. And I know that's something that you still hold true today. And of course, I need to really hammer this point home. You're running for the Libertarian. Uh, candidate uh, for president and that is correct. you want to get the five percent uh, if, if the libertarian party does get five percent you have matching funds legitimizes the libertarian party quite a bit once again i, I don't i don't that would be a huge debate within the libertarian party if they were to accept such funds i have right. my doubt there would be a lot of pressure not to take that money but um right but yes uh, so i have been running this uh, satirical presidential campaign uh for you know close to 30 years yeah and, um, and really what it consisted of was like a, a week or so up at the New Hampshire primaries, uh, uh, following the uh, RNC and DNC conventions, and then maybe the inauguration, you know, maybe a couple weeks out of the year, every four years. And that was right. the extent of what I was doing. But that was enough to obviously generate uh, an incredible buzz, um, you know, having found this uh, unique combination of going up to New Hampshire, because New Hampshire is like the smallest state in the nation, and yep. every last uh, candidate in the nation is bouncing around there with their... Um, campaign events and campaign buses, and they got their campaign headquarters, yeah. and so it was very easy to go up there, latch, you know, uh, confront the candidates with uh, with humor as opposed to aggressive or at least aggressive humor, right? Um, and uh, and start cultivating with the media because I always knew that the media was a very important audience. People who worked in the media, and it took me many years to start making it past the editors, if you will, right? Uh, but I still understood that they were, you know, a very smart uh, audience, and that I, I often played to them. And so, you know, on this slow build, uh, I, I was I'm doing this for that long. Um, yeah. I built up this level of notoriety and this uh, this fan base. Of course, I went viral in 2012 when I did the glitter bombing of Randall Terry and <laughs> yes. the the the, the Gigi Vitus speech and the and uh, the free ponies and all that. 
Um, and that really pushed me from to a viral moment, and then I mutated into a meme, right? And um, which is just amazing. And so, you know, I de- I developed this reach and this, this audience that essentially crosses the political spectrum, um, because what I did was not perceived to be uh, partisan. It yeah. wasn't against a party or an individual candidate. And so, therefore, it was grokked and appreciated as a biting critique of the whole ball of wax, if you will. Yeah. Well, of course, and now you've gone extremely mainstream. I'm reading an article, or I read an article, uh, that you had in Teen Vogue. Because when I think Teen Vogue, I think Vermin Supreme. The girls have your picture on the wall. You're right up there with the beebs. Tiger Beat is next. Tiger (laughs) Beat, for sure. So when it comes to the race divide and the economic divide that you saw in the 80s, obviously that has continued on to today. All the greatest hits. Indeed. What do you, what vision would you have or do you have when it comes to helping solve this? Because I know the the core, obviously, as you said, it's a satirical presidential run. You have a boot on your head. Uh, you're talking about giving away free ponies. But I, what I love so much about you is that you have a base of love and you have a base of wanting to see change uh, in this country. Can you just sort of explain what you find or what you think a good solution would be when it comes to our economic divide and racial divide? Um, I, 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 I can attempt to explain that. Um, of course, I'm seeking the Libertarian Party uh, nomination, and as such, I have uh, pledged to uh, represent the Libertarian platform, uh, available at lp.org slash platform. And uh, essentially, the, the, the basic premise is that uh, we all are self-autonomous we all yeah. own our own being and uh and that no one can really own anybody else or control anybody else on such a such a level economically i believe our uh basic crux of the biscuit is that the government is standing uh, four square in the way of uh people uh realizing self-actualization and mm. being being able to live uh, to their full uh, expectations and desires. And uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, uh, the various uh, regulations and, and licensing requirements and permit requirements, a, a lot of uh, um, occupations that, that uh, you know, that I, we do not believe that the state should be involved in, uh, such as uh, the th- many things that many, many, many Americans uh, currently uh, make their living at or supplement their income uh actually doing you know the the the, uh home uh at home hairdressers um you know things of that nature people people providing services uh for other people on a completely voluntary basis uh that is technically uh, against the law or in violation of of certain statutes right uh so by getting rid of a a lot of uh, some of these very unnecessary uh statutes and uh prerequisites uh, that that would open up the economy uh, of course the government certainly uh, plays uh, favorites uh, and and by playing the favorites with right. various subsidies and tax breaks um, it, it increases uh, the the consolidation and uh, it rewards the big players and the, the smaller players uh, sort of lose out and uh, get shaken out in mm-hmm. the process and it's interesting you t- you talk about the government playing favorites obviously in the 1980s for example, Cheese. Uh, it sounds like oh, cheese. Yeah, that's kind of innocuous. But of course, the government subsidized dairy uh, immensely. This is why cheese all of a sudden was everywhere, and it was a, a they put it in the pyramid for food. It was just all of a sudden cheese was like a staple 
food for Americans, which may lead to or may have led to our massive obesity epidemic. I think there's a lot of unintended consequences. Indeed. Much like the uh, the, the subsidies in the fossil fuel industry. Yep, at exactly. The of all others. Uh, and here we are. Um, yeah. So absolutely. I, we uh, libertarians believe in the free market ultimately and that uh, um, if everybody's involved, um, then it will it will it will be good for everybody. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's the essential theory. And, uh, you know, even um, government uh, safety net programs, for example, uh, you know, the uh, a lot of them that are out to uh, cure or lessen poverty. Um, Many of them have, have a 30 percent overhead just administrating uh, these. Oh, programs. if not more. Yeah. So, yeah. If, you know, if the government's involved, it, it pretty much doesn't matter what their ultimate goal is. It generally is uh, ends up being one of the more inefficient, practical ways. And of course, there's there's a great documentary called Poverty Inc. For those that want to go see. Speaking of unintended consequences, what happens uh, when you give free things away for example in africa uh with unicef giving away free rice they dis they just completely devastated rice farmers because how are they how can they compete with free so i think that that is one of those again uh sort of the road to hell is paved with good intentions do you find when it comes to going back to sort of the divides in this country what are your thoughts on how we've politicized everything what are your thoughts on the fact that if you buy a kia people will say oh that's a liberal car you buy a ford 150 they'll uh deduce that must be a conservative if you watch uh last man standing with tim allen that's a conservative show if you watch you know uh whatever the family show is with uh with al bundy he'll always just be al bundy to me uh modern family oh you must be more left-leaning what are your thoughts on how these political parties and again, they are just two political parties. They are not supposed to uh, be as powerful as they are. What are your thoughts on how they've been able to sort of fracture us and divide us on every single thing? And now, of course, with modern data science, they've found even more ways to do it by what we consume online. Uh, indeed, it's it's very unfortunate. It's it's very tricky of them, uh, but ultimately not surprising. Uh, you know, keeping people at each other's throats uh, definitely. Uh, uh, distracts us from from the real enemy, uh, from the from our common enemy, uh, which is uh, certainly the the state and and the government and the the actors that are, are attempting to control uh, the world, control society, and of course uh, you know the dissension aspect. If you can get uh, the the uh, two people fighting against each other, then uh, then they're going to be too busy to uh, fight against the actual power that's uh, crushing their best interests. Right. It's and of course, you know, the, the the nature of the modern media and and the the fact that uh, that Internet, that gosh darn Internet that came along and, <laughs> and like uh, just uh, offered so many points of views that weren't even verified and not even official. I mean, uh, goodness gracious, uh, there's so many different, uh, points of views coming out. And uh, I, I think it's just a, a damn shame. I mean, you know, I everybody has opinions. Everybody has opinions. I mean, all right. our friends have opinions. Uh, some of the, these opinions we do not like. I mean, yeah, we all we go to Thanksgiving dinner and we really uh, we love our uncle. But God, I wish he'd shut the fuck up. Uh, but some <laughs> some reason or somehow, um, you know, the the marketeers or the, the political O's um, have somehow managed to, to harness um, people's uh, dislike of or distrust 
uh, of others uh, for very uh, frightening purposes. Yeah. And, uh, of course, that's uh, totally contrary to, to what I stand for as a candidate. I, I try and be a, a, a unifier. Um you know, I, yeah. I've entered this race uh, to try and bring a, a very different perspective to the uh, Libertarian Party itself, uh, of course, because there are many, uh, you know, stereotypes uh, about Libertarians and their philosophy. Uh, you know, I got mine, F you, um, um, you know, that, that they're greedy, selfish. And, and uh, right. you know, I actually held these uh, these negative stereotypes. I was prejudiced. I, I held prejudice against libertarians I, at one point i was you know i was claiming libertarians have no soul right. but once again that was from a place of ignorance and uh, i was just wasn't knowing enough people or even knowing that the people that i did know some of them were libertarians yeah. and so i was able to uh, you know adjust my thinking and understand that uh, uh, the proposals that they were being put forth um although you know at uh, at, at a blush sometimes they're counterintuitive but ultimately, they they have uh, the people's best interest. Right. Uh, the, you know, the ability of people to uh, make their make their living easier. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today is it safe to say that when we when we're talking 1986 baltimore we can take it into the into the 1990s is it safe to say that you were more of a leftist at that point and if so was there a moment where you realized the democratic party especially at that time i think we had some we had some chances with bernie sanders perhaps but the democratic party going with clinton who by today's standards ran on criminal justice, specifically a very conservative campaign and a very conservative administration on criminal justice. Was there a point where you lost faith in the only option if you were someone on the left, which is what my assumption is, um, that you just said, what the hell? Where are we going now? I have, I'm have, i a man with no party, which is, of course, a very unnerving feeling and, and kind of sad in some ways well I, i'd say not so much personally i, I was i mean I, i'm definitely a left-leaning anarchist you know I, I cut my teeth on uh kropotkin and mutual aid mm-hmm. um you know i suppose in the baltimore days i, I was probably maybe perhaps a little more dem leaning and yeah. uh, didn't yeah. really uh wasn't really exposed to a lot of anarchist thought until i i left baltimore in 1987 mm. and uh and then i just knew that the that I was against uh, all of it, uh, not just uh, any one party, that, that both parties were just a uh, part of the same damn, bo- both wings were part of the same damn bird. Right. Do you think that human beings are good enough to be anarchists? That's my only concern is because I, to be, a, to be someone who supports anarchy, you also have to support the idea that people are rational um, and that people would be able to, to handle no rules. What do you think about that? Well, once again, I mean, the, the rules that we would uh, accept are, are rules uh, of common decency, yeah. rules of, uh, you know, it, it understood uh, shared morality, be- behavior based on, you know, being ethical and, uh, you know, having empathy and, and being concerned for others and that type of nature. And so in a sense, 
yes, I guess uh, my own uh, libertarian, my own, you know, my own left anarchist originally, you know, I was certainly looking towards this post-state uh, utopia. And uh, in my opinion, in uh, some of the uh, presentations of the libertarians, yes, there is this uh, presupposition that what we are proposing, this, this absolute freedom uh, that should be very liberating and liberate us all um, is, you know, it, it's it, we assume or we, it's based on the fact that we believe in the best in people. Right. And uh, of course, you know, there are a lot of stupid people, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you know, in, in the current crisis, for you know, for example, I mean, it, it, uh, in a perfect world, it would seem that if uh, everybody is uh, given this basic information of the best medical practices in order to uh, avoid uh, catching it or spreading it, um, then they would stay home. They would mask up. They they would take right. uh, all the precautions. Uh, but some but once again, it comes back to, um, you know, the, the creative, uh, the crazy uh, divisions and, and that have caused all sorts of extreme thinking and all the misinformation and, and propaganda and conspiracies uh, that fly around. And uh, unfortunately, some people don't have the, the critical uh, thinking or, or the logical understanding to, to pick it apart and uh, and realize that uh, a lot of these uh, uh, conspiracies are sort of hooey. Well, you got to get you have to get. Uh, those you got to go to Red Lobster. You know you got to get there on the first day it's open. That was ridiculous this past week. The riots at Red Lobster. I sometimes human nature it uh, it, it never it never fails to surprise. Uh, yes, sadly, rioting rioting for all the wrong reasons. It yes, seems. that's it. What did you think? It, you must have had a hell of a time when it comes to the Bush administration. I know you, I believe your first campaign was 2004. Is that, is that right? Uh, no, sir. Actually, I've been writing since, uh, 1992. My oh, first, 92. Uh, my God, uh, 1987, I actually ran for mayor of Baltimore and that was my first mayoral run. Um, and after that I started, uh, working, uh, the, the New Hampshire primary for uh, 92, 96, uh, 2000, 2004, 2008, uh, 2012, 2016, and on. Um, 2004 was the first time that I appeared on a ballot, and uh. that ballot was uh, in Washington, D.C., on the Democratic ticket. It was a great ballot uh, because uh, it started out initially as a protest uh, a, a, against uh, the lack of representation of D.C. statehood, right. and they were going to be the first in the nation. They were going to jump ahead of New Hampshire, uh, but then the DNC told them that they would their delegates would not be seated. And so they backed off and just sort of opened up their primary to anybody who asked. They didn't <laughs> want any signatures. They didn't want any money. I just called them up on the phone and said, hi, my name is Vermin Supreme. Could you put me on the ballot? And uh, I sent, my, sent a copy of my ID just to make, show them it was legit. And uh, yes, I got on the ballot. That's I incredible. Got, they included a, a page. Uh, I got a full page in the voter's guide. And even got to participate in the Department of Defense uh, telephone that you could push the right buttons and talk to the candidates. And I got to leave a message for uh, for the boys and girls overseas there. Do you have the boot on in the photo on your ID? Mm, working on it. <laughs> and, um, let's see. I, I'm going to get a, a spaghetti strainer shaped like a boot. Uh, and that should <laughs> uh, should cover it. Of course, the courts have covered that. Yes. Um, 2008. Um, let's see. I was, I think that was on the first time I was on the ballot in New Hampshire as a Republican, uh, didn't do too well, like 43 votes. But then in, uh, 2012, I took a third in the primary, uh, behind Barack Obama. I always do very well against incumbents, um, on that primary ballot. 
And in 2016, I came in fourth. I got more votes than Jim Gilmore, an actual former governor. I remember Jim Gilmore. Oh, my goodness. So at this point, you know, if, if, if a candidate is looking to run in New Hampshire, they really have to ask themselves, can they get more votes than Vermin Supreme? Otherwise, <laughs> it's very embarrassing. Uh, I got to rub Rick Santorum's nose in that fact uh, oh. at the uh, Republican convention in, in 16. Oh, my goodness. That may be where coronavirus started. It was just at a slow burn, and it's finally here. Were you? Uh, what, who are some of your inspirations? Because you strike me as you are a renaissance man in many ways uh and you strike me almost in the vein i in my mind i put you with hunter s thompson in the socially disruptive but also socially responsible category someone who has a great way of digesting reality regurgitating what they see and uh and just understanding uh political corruption and just the bullshit the horse shit of so much going on. Who were some of your inspirations when you were coming up? Well, I'd say Hunter himself. Uh, that, that was a, a good good drug-fueled example. Uh, <laughs> of course, uh, Pat, Pat Paulson, uh, very much enjoy his, uh, um, his uh, run for the presidency back in the day. Um, George Carlin, of course. Of course. Uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, Lenny Bruce, you know, just the amazing comics that were able to eviscerate um, – society and just tear right into into yep. it um the yippies uh the yippies were oh, very yeah. magical um jerry rubin and uh abby hoffman and, and the whole gang uh they just had a real serious knack i mean they, they essentially pioneered uh guerrilla theater you know they, they pioneered um you know doing outrageous things or claiming outrageous things and, and making these stunts uh, that were, you know, impossible to ignore. The that the uh, media found impossible to to not cover. Um, right. You know, they, they ran a Pegasus the pig uh, p- uh, for president, and and uh, you know that was in '68 at uh, at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago, and it was when the oh. the police came in to try and get the, confiscate that pig, uh, that all these horrible uh, the riots broke out, and Damn. of course. Uh, uh, seven of the yippies, the Chicago Seven, uh, were taken to court, and uh, and they used the court as a place to uh, to do their theater. Uh, you know, they they came dressed like uh, Viet Cong soldiers or Santa Claus, and came with plastic guns, and and just really uh, derailed the proceedings. They did the same with the House on Americans Activity Committee, going in there and just like essentially denying uh, the authorities their authority. And I think right. there were some very important lessons to, to be learned uh, for anti-authoritarians in the tactics that we can take uh, to uh, deflate and poke holes and make fun of yeah. uh, state and uh, take away some of their power. I was unaware that the uh, the massacre, basically, uh, during the Democratic Convention in 68 was predicated upon Pegasus the pig. I really that is uh, that is completely insane. Do you feel or fear that we are becoming a culture that is no longer opposed to authoritarianism. Do you feel that's the one thing that has been frightening for me? The first time I ever voted for president, the year 2000, went with Al Gore. I feel like as a nation, we have been becoming more comfortable with the idea of authoritarianism. And Trump is doing a great job of proving that point. Do you feel like there's a generation... Um, that that is becoming more susceptible to falling down 
that road? Well, there there is the the boiling frog theory that if you put a frog in right. a pan of water and just sort of slowly turn up the temperature, it will not jump out. It just doesn't notice that the it got so hot. Uh, so there is that uh, part of it. But uh, and uh, of course, um, but you, you got to say, you know, I mean, it's it's a youth movement. It's, it was a youth movement uh, uh, back in the, the 60s that really uh, sparked the whole thing. I mean, and, right. and there are a lot of young people out there today. Um, now, th- their attitudes have certainly changed, uh, you know, towards uh, privacy rights and yeah. uh, surveillance issues because it seems to be so. <sighs> Um, ubiquitous that they don't even think twice about it. Uh, I mean, I just read, I mean, the FBI, uh, Congress just allowed the FBI to search your search history, to look through your search history without a warrant. I mean, these things are just insane. Indeed. When it comes to privacy. Indeed. I mean, it used to be in the, you know, the Patriot Act that they could look under at certain circumstances, but now they're just going to be looking for jollies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's horrible. What do you think has been a worse, uh, as far as civil liberties go, war on drugs, war on terror? What do you think has been some of the boiling points when it comes to just seeing our civil liberties erode in this country? Well, certainly the, the war on drugs has, has been going on since, you know, Richard Nixon, 72. And they, they were very clear that it was a, a reason to break the uh, the black movements and, and break the hippie movements. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just a war on a particular subset of society that they uh, considered uh, their enemy or, or a threat to uh, uh, their own way of life. And um, so it, it is atrocious. And that led to it. And of course, uh, that went right on up to, uh, you know, Joe Biden uh, writing the Patriot Act, which uh, totally uh, and, and uh, the whole mass incarceration um Right thing that, that developed as a result of it, and that that turning uh, the prison industrial complex into this massive uh, being with the incredible lobbying potential, because then it became worth the, uh, you know, millions and billions of dollars yeah. uh, with shareholders and and all that. So, and of course, uh, the Libertarian Party itself, we we have our platform plank that specifically uh, states that you can pretty much uh, do whatever you want and you are responsible for that in terms of drugs yeah. and, uh, legalizing all drugs. Uh, uh, you, we take a look at the uh, Portugal model uh, and, uh, where drug use and drug abuse and addiction have all gone down as a result of, uh, decriminalizing all drugs. Yeah. And so we'd certainly like to see something like that here in America. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree at the very least with decriminalization. And then when it comes to legalization, I, I absolutely agree with that with certain drugs uh, as well. Because when it comes to marijuana ruining your life, it's the judicial system that ruins the life of people, not not uh, weed itself. Absolutely. It, it's an outrage. Would you like to see us completely? Because I know um, we can get onto a serious issue here. I mean, we've been talking about serious issues. But I know this presidential campaign, I'm reading a quote from Teen Vogue, which I do every day. I always <laughs> read my quotes from Teen Vogue. Did you have the calendar? Of, oh, the, the yes, I quote, do. The Daily Teen Vogue quote. <laughs> I think the FBI wants to talk to me. Um, <laughs> uh, so you say in the in the article, this election year is ultimately my first. Uh, this election year is ultimately my first real campaign. I have a solid staff of about a dozen people around the country with various state coordinators, and it's a very interesting thing. Uh, you basically talk about how this is. Uh, you haven't done it this way before. And this is a real campaign coming from Vermin Supreme. 
what are your thoughts on uh, denuclearization and uh, what would you like to see the U.S. go in that direction? Do you want to see us take the lead or uh, what are your thoughts, especially being someone who, who lived extensively through the Cold War? Uh, well, I'm going to say, uh, you know, uh, one of my first uh, platform uh, uh, bits in, one, in my 1987 mayoral bit of, of uh, Baltimore uh, did mention uh, disarmament through deployment, <laughs> but I don't really think that's a, that's a good idea. Uh, now, what, what, one of the things that uh, one of the major uh, events that uh, really led me along my path in life uh, was when I was in Baltimore. I was ready to get the hell out of Baltimore for various reasons. And the Great Peace March for Global Nuclear Disarmament came through. That was a march in 1986 from L.A. to D.C. When they arrived, there were some 5,000 people on it. They had an infrastructure that was able to move that those people down the road, uh, semi-trailer trucks with that would haul their equipment, uh, all their tents. Uh, there was different kitchens, a, veggie, a vegetarian kitchen, a meat kitchen. There was porta potty trucks. There was water trucks. There was school buses that were actually acting as a school. And... Um, and that's when I jumped on board. I, I walked with them to D.C. I met uh, the anarchists, that some of which I'm still in touch with and, and working with. Uh, and then I started uh, marching for peace, marching for global nuclear disarmament uh, with activists uh, down in Florida and Michigan and uh, Massachusetts uh, yeah. through New England and um, in the Nevada nuclear test site. Uh, we I was out there in the late 80s, early 90s, where literally thousands of people were getting arrested walking into the desert. Right. Uh, hundreds of people were doing backcountry actions, uh, you know, trying to disrupt the nuclear testing. Uh, people were, were uh, going backcountry on Cape Canaveral trying to uh, disrupt the uh, testing of the Trident D-5 missiles. Um, so anti-nuclear activism uh, is certainly near and dear to my heart. Um, I was always uh, of the belief uh, that they violate uh, the, the Geneva Conventions, that they are war crime yeah. because they indiscriminately uh, target civilians. And as such, you know, once you make people aware of, of these simple facts, then they can no longer deny them. And that they ultimately, uh, you know, once you're aware of, of a war crime being committed in your name and, and you don't do anything about it, you are uh, tacitly complying or, or in, in endorsing it in your silence. Right. So, yes, in, in my heart, of course, I believe that the U.S. should uh, uh, denuclearify. Do you feel like we've lost or sort of lost focus on that issue? Because it has been so long since the Cold War. Obviously, we have a much different relationship with Russia now. I would say it's a little too friendly at times, at the very least in rhetoric. But uh, do you feel like I was up? I was as a matter of fact, two nights ago, I was just sort of like thinking about how if you're going to hit the U.S., this is a hell of the time to do it. Like, you know, there's a pandemic. Fear Cheer, is high. Cheerful thought there, brother. Yeah, cheerful I know. Thought. This is what puts <laughs> me to bed at night. Um, but do you feel like we're at risk of sort of losing sight of the fact that we still have basically a world of mutual assured destruction, um, but now we have China, we have so many different nations. D does that ever, like, do you feel like we're sort of forgetting the fact that this stuff is still out there, and it is still possible. I think humans can only process so many existential crises <laughs> at once. Okay, um, I think uh, you know the the nuclear one was was it was pretty intense. I mean, there was a groundwell of support. I mean, there was a lot of uh, activity uh, on that front. Uh, but then, of course, uh, you know the, the a couple treaties went through, and and in this, and everybody sort of 
uh, said, oh, okay, you know, we've, we've made progress. Uh, right. Of course, uh, that was just a, a, you know, a stunt. Maybe a certain uh, type of missile was, uh, was scrapped, but yet uh, the, the development and testing uh, continue. So, yeah, it, it's definitely an existential uh, crisis that faces humanity. Um, but I think that's been supplanted by the by the latest existential crisis <laughs> du jour, the, the climate crisis, uh, the, oh, the end my of the goodness. world scenario there. And that was even before the existential crisis of the day, the COVID thing. So I think people just I can't even, you know, they're, they're just trying to process, trying to make their rent and live day to day, let alone... Uh, that we're all doomed and, and the planet is crashing and the government is uh, is uh, formulating this clampdown and militarizing the police in order to uh, hold, clamp down on civil unrest that will be the inevitable result of the climate uh, crisis. And ah! <laughs> But let me tell you, when, when I'm president, things are going to be a lot different. It'll, it'll all be good, uh, believe you me. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. That was my final sort of uh, question I wanted to talk to you was about environment, uh, because that's one thing the Libertarian Party doesn't talk about too much, um, mm -hmm. the environmental issues. So I, I where do you I guess I obviously we are pro environment. Uh, we would like to have air that we can breathe and water we can yes. drink. Um, what would what would be some of those steps that you would like to see taking place? When it comes to, you know, cleaning up our oceans, getting the plastic out, you know, when it comes, whether some people, whether you believe that humans have uh, contributed to global warming or not, we, that's a whole nother conversation. I would say the answer is yes. I but one agree. thing we know for sure is there's a shitload of uh, plastic in the ocean. There's a boatload. There is just pollution. There is just litter everywhere. There's trash everywhere. We're killing our oceans. Um, what what would you like to see happen when it comes to uh, cleaning this place up? Well, naturally, I, I would love to see it uh, a lot cleaner, uh, probably a lot sooner th than it's going to happen. Um, I believe the, the libertarian uh, platform and belief is that uh, people have a, a vested interest in, uh, in keeping their land uh, clean and uh, not polluting their neighbors. And, um, and if people are polluters, then yes, they should be held to task. Uh, they should be held accountable and uh, made to pay in uh, any way that makes sense. Um, and uh, that if uh, consumers want to, uh, you know, disagree with a particular uh, plant's operations, uh, the marketplace, that they could boycott it um, or they could reward uh, more env environmentally uh, sound choices. Yeah. I, I suppose uh, even, you know, the, the organic uh, movement, the movement of organics is, is very encouraging along these lines. I mean, that's sort of a a market-based solution to not being poisoned uh, by the various corporations and trying to avoid the uh, the pesticides. I mean, yeah, we have to pay a little bit extra to not be poisoned, it seems, uh, but that's a, a decision. And, and uh, because that's been so successful, because so many people uh, were willing to uh, you know pay this uh, small premium to not be poisoned by agri-pesticides, uh, that the, 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 the scale went up and the prices come down. Right. So, so we organics are, are being produced all over, and, and they're they're fairly competitive, uh, all in all, in the marketplace. Yeah. And um, I think uh, consumer demand is is another one of those things. But on the other hand, the system as it currently uh, operates, it's it's obviously rigged, and it it doesn't work as as it should. Uh, you know, the, the recycling. I don't want to say scam because that sounds a little conspiratorial. Uh, but but you know the the fact that you know uh, recycling that people are being you know you must recycle. Uh, recycling is an industry. People uh, sort their stuff. 
but uh, oftentimes all their stuff that they sorted yep. is all mixed together again yep. and, and incinerated or um, that it's, you know, you know, bales and bales and, and piles and piles and mountains of uh, cardboard. You know, it, it's soggy or, it, it you know, China is not, you know, the, the places that were accepting the, these uh, recycling uh, items are no longer recycling it. And uh, much of this is uh, just going to the landfill anyway. Yeah. So it, it, it really is a, a serious situation and a, a serious problem. I mean, I, I do think that we all want to uh, have a, a, a world around that's uh, fit for humans to habitate for uh, many years to come. Well, we have to have a world where the ponies that everyone is going to get for free when you're president can thrive, you know, eat the grass. I don't know what ponies eat, uh, but I'm assuming it has to be grass related. Hey! <laughs> And just so that's all I wanted to talk about with policy. Just lastly, sort of uh, what do you think about the Libertarian Party allowing someone like Justin Amash in? Uh, well, uh, once again, the, the beautiful part about running for president in America is anybody can do it. Um, it's a self-declarative statement. All of a sudden, you know, I, I'm so and so I'm running for president. It becomes a fact, an indisputable fact that nobody can deny you. You might not get any votes. You might not register with the FEC, but you're running because you said you were. And uh the Libertarian Party is is similar in the sense that anybody can say they are running for, for president uh, as a Libertarian. Pretty much you can run for any office in America and uh, say you're doing so under the Libertarian uh, banner. And it's uh, and once again, that's a very beautiful thing for me uh, because uh, I am have amazingly made it uh, very far uh, to where I am a serious contender uh, for the nomination. And so when people jump in, you know, there's certainly uh, criticisms and, and there's that perception by some that the uh, libertarian is a Republican light uh, institution. It's, right. you know, it's, it's a bunch of Republicans that want to smoke weed. And I think that gets reinforced when we get some of these uh, former Republicans, uh, governors and, uh, and now a congressperson uh, might mm-hmm. open us up a little bit about that. Uh, but ultimately, um, you know, as long as uh, somebody is willing to uh, you know, pledge fealty to uh, the Libertarian Party platform, uh, or at least uh, publicly promote it and not publicly go against it, uh, because you know it, the the platform itself is uh, is is a serious guideline, and of course people have different uh, certain disagreements with parts of it, perhaps, and the right. different uh, you know the the party is made up of different caucuses, and they all have their own platforms, and and everybody wants to change the platform a little bit this way or that way. Uh, but for me in my campaign, it has always been about, you know, if you're going to shill for a party, um, you need to represent that party. And that is best uh, represented by the platform. Uh, so if uh, Mr. Abash uh, is willing to do that and uh, believes that he has the uh, star power to, to deliver. <laughs> oh, when I think of Justin Amash, I think star power. Immediately. Oh, yes. he's, a, he's an extremely charismatic individual, of course. Well, you're well, you are much more brilliant than he, because when people people will never remember him, I don't even think his family knows who he is. Ah. You will always be known because of the strategy that you have uh, implemented and because well, of you. your just understanding of how uh, humans need something to grip onto in a magical boot. Uh, that is an alien entity, perhaps. We don't know if it's an alien or not, but there is the question. You know, can a serious party uh, put up somebody who may be perceived as more of a joke candidate? And I believe it is ultimately in the uh, in the framing, and that it can be done. 
And that, you know, it just takes as a party to put out a statement. Yes, we are the Libertarian Party. We are a serious party. We've been around for close to 50 years. Uh, we believe in the free market. We believe in the, the uh, autonomy of the individual. However, and right. if it's all important in politics, the uh, current uh, duopoly presidential election cycle has risen to the level of a joke. And with Absolutely. love and with spite, here is Vermin Supreme. Yeah. Hashtag in on the joke. I believe that if, if the party just flat out owns the joke, uh, then yeah. they will not be be the butt of the joke. Is, Absolutely, uh, is, is what I'm putting forth. Well, that's the one thing with the Libertarian Party. Um, I was uh, I ran for Brooklyn Borough President in 2017. I was a Libertarian Party candidate, and then I went with the Reform Party. The one thing is, sometimes they can take themselves a little too seriously, and. Um, you know, I think it's good to have uh, some levity. I, I, there is that, and I, and I have run into that. I mean, there there are those who uh, just don't believe that it's it's the way forward. But uh, you know, I, my campaign staff has ballooned to you know a couple, several dozen people, and they are all principled libertarians from the right and the left of the party, and they really believe that this is definitely a, a way to wake up America, uh, to troll America, to propel the party forward, to grow right. the party. To, to outreach to many, many people who would not even know that the Libertarian Party was a thing. And just, you know, and, and I, I believe that I am in the perfect position uh, to uh, be a spokesperson, to explain uh, what it is and what it's not, and use the humor and the comedy as the hook, and then yeah. uh, just pivot to, to me and you talking seriously about things. I love it, man. That's exactly what I like to do also, because you have to have, you got to have the sugar to make the medicine go down. And uh, and you are uh, you're you're both medicinal and joyful. And uh, so that's really and only great. a little bit bitter, only a little only bit, bitter. a little bitter, which you got to have a little bit of bitters. Sure. Otherwise, you can't taste the sweetness. <laughs> Vermin Supreme. Thank you so much, man. I really love talking with you. And please, you got to come back. What do we have here? This I'd like to uh, plug my book. Yes, it is. Uh, it is called I Pony Blueprint for a New America. Awesome. It is a story about the future long after a vermin supreme presidency, after everybody has their pony, after zombie power fuels the nation, and after the secret dental police have set up checkpoints every couple hundred yards or so. It is a warning <laughs> from the people of the future to you, the people of your present, their past, that vermin supreme is a madman and must be stopped. I love so it, man. That's available at iponybook.com. Uh, check out uh, my website, verminsupreme2020.com. That is uh, my official campaign website. You can pick up all sorts of vermin merch there. On Facebook, uh, I've got the Vermin Supreme for President Blue Check official page, Woo! Vermin Supreme Dank Meme Stash. Um, on Twitter, I am at Vermin Supreme. And on TikTok, uh -oh. I am like, at realvermintsupreme.com with over 12 million hits on the hashtag Damn. Uh, Vermin Supreme and Vermin Supreme for President. You got TikTok. I'm, I'm not even doing that TikTok. I'm, I'm too old for that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, apparently uh, you're never too old. <laughs> I guess not. And, of course, the documentary from 2014, Who is Vermin Supreme? An outsider odyssey as well. And I'll make sure to plug all of that stuff okay, that, uh, watch, as well. Watch that on Vimeo. There was, there was some fuckery with the uh, distributor. And uh, Vimeo is the only way that I'm sure that the, the filmmaker gets some of the money. Great. So, uh, Honestly, who is well. Vermin Supreme on Vimeo? And it is. It's a documentary. Makes me look a little bit like a, a folk hero, but 
Eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, you are what they make you look like. Um, yes, and uh, you look like a great presidential candidate to me. Thank you, sir. You're very kind. The one and only Vermin Supreme. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciated having you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And remember, together we will ride our ponies into a zombie-powered future. Thank <laughs> you, my Vermin Supreme. Okay, there it was, Vermin Supreme. What a guy. Pegasus. Uh, Pegasus pig. Who knew it started a riot? Uh, nine days. That's what that's what he has to see if he can beat Justin Amash for the Libertarian nomination. If you vote, uh, please, uh, honestly, vote for Vermin Supreme. Justin Amash is, why would you vote for Justin Amash? I just don't get it. Like, he's just a Republican who sucked at being a Republican. You know, if and he just wants to get on a ticket somewhere. He just wants to get on a ballot somewhere. Spoke for Vermin Supreme. Imagine if Vermin gets enough support and then suddenly Joe Biden comes out on one of his live streams and he's wearing a fucking... It would be great. He's wearing a rain boot on his head. Great. <laughs> Honestly, that would be great, Joe. Get, get, L- listen, Jack. Follow... I'm Biden. I'm Biden Supreme. It sounds like it's malarkey, but it, <laughs> I was promised no malarkey with Joe, but I'll but, take it. Let's see Biden Supreme. I actually... And, and I then love we Biden can run Supreme. Spider Pig. <laughs> oh, Spider Pig. He's so cute. Spider Pig's the cutest thing I've ever I would love seen. the 2020 election if those were the... Let's rewrite the rules. We'll Let's get see. Biden Supreme and Spider Pig in the mix. I love it, so... Mecca Trump. Vermin Supreme. We'll see if the libertarians go that way. They should. They might as well. And as always, when we speak to these... It reminds me of when I spoke with Marianne Williamson yeah. a little bit. She, you know, they have a purpose. Yeah. And they're self-aware, she which is huge. A part of the electorate that is this, you know, it's it's like slightly off. Uh, it's a tangentially off from Bernie supporters. You know, it's just more of a spiritual disaffect, being disaffected by the sort yeah. of zapped void of spirituality in our country. Well, I I thought she, that was a really amazing interview. Actually, yeah, we might. Uh, She's we'll, great. We'll release that on some of the throwback episodes we've been doing here. Um, okay, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're doing all right. Stay strong. Have a good weekend. And uh, never forget, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah.